Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 57th episode of Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. As your host, my goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is astrophysicist, author, and head of the Hayden Planetarium, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Born in New York City to a gerontologist father and sociologist mother, he grew up in the Bronx. In high school, he was the captain of the wrestling team and the editor-in-chief of the Physical Science Journal. Neil first became interested in astronomy following a visit to the Hayden Planetarium where he enrolled in various courses there. He started gaining notoriety as a 15-year-old lecturing in his community. He went on to earn his B.A. in physics from Harvard and his Ph.D. in astrophysics from Columbia. In 2001, President George Bush appointed him to serve on a commission studying the future of the U.S. aerospace industry. And in 2004, he was reappointed to focus on the implementation of the U.S. space exploration policy. In 2006, he was appointed to serve on the NASA Advisory Council and was awarded the NASA Distinguished Public Service Medal. Currently, Neil is the head of the Hayden Planetarium, a research associate of the Department of Astrophysicists at the American Museum of Natural History, and the host of the Star Talk podcast. He has written 16 books, including his latest, Letters from an Astrophysicist, that we discuss in this podcast. You've written countless letters over the past 30 years and have documented them in this book. Writing letters is a lost art form in the age of email, texting, and social media. How has reviewing and publishing these letters impacted how you live your life? I am reminded by these letters that thoughtful communication using the written word, is something that perhaps should be rejuvenated in our culture. And we've come far from it. We're now communicating with emojis. Just think about that. From a handwritten letter, and in the old days, you would have penmanship that would express some of the mood of the letter as well. Another dimension of communication was provided by the writer. Not only that, you might illuminate the first letter of the page, as the monks did in manuscripts that were written. So uh, I'd like to see more thoughtful communication come forward. I wonder whether the anger that exists in social media is because we forgot how to communicate the nuances of what we mean and what we think. They end up being blunt statements that people used as reason to argue rather than as uh, supporting words to pursue a conversation. You have blended science and pop culture in an entertaining way that has gotten people who don't like or understand science interested in it. How did you learn to be such an effective communicator? All I did was pay attention to people's reactions one-on-one when I would describe science or any part of the universe to them. Did their eyebrows go up? Did, their, did they look attentive? Did they look away? There's body language that you can cue on that 
informs that, that it's, it's, it's feedback on whether you are communicating successfully. If you keep mental or written inventory on what works and what does not, you can use that to shape future encounters you might have with the public. And that's what I've been doing my entire life. So I don't presume that what I have to say is what someone will want to listen to. Instead, I draw from my repository of knowledge of the universe and say to myself, how can I shape this information and deliver it in a way that I already know can trigger enthusiastic reaction to that information? And that's what I do. And I do that all the time. And when I did that with the press, they came back for more. With the documentarians, they came back for more. When I did it on Twitter, they came back for more. So I'm a servant of this appetite, and I'm delighted to operate in that capacity. But I'm, I, will, I don't forget that I'm a servant of that appetite, not someone who's creating it. You say that people tend to look outside of themselves, especially people who are religious, to find meaning in their lives. Why do you suggest people instead look inside themselves, and how has that benefited you? People who look outside of themselves for meaning? I, I, in principle, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're spending your life looking for meaning and not finding it, maybe it's time to look inside. That's really how I should have ever presented that point of view. If you're looking for meaning and not finding it, look inside yourself and see if you can create the meaning you've been searching for your entire life. And that usually means using your mind, body, soul, your energy resources to improve either your own life or the lives of others. It's not hard to derive meaning in those contexts of meaning and purpose and value in civilization for having done so. And it could be small acts of kindness. You know, the proverbial helping the lady, old lady across the street. Is it volunteering for a charity where people are benefiting from your invested energies? That can create and sustain meaning in one's life. And, and that's what I do in my own life. This year, I worked on a global study focused on artificial intelligence with Oracle. We found that people are now embracing AI and have overall a positive relationship with it, despite privacy and security concerns. How can AI improve our lives instead of cause us harm? It's already improved our lives. Think of the things that computers are now doing that you're not even questioning, where you know, 30 years ago, it would have been seen as sorcery. You have a thing that fits in your shirt pocket that tells you how to get to grandma's house and when and where the traffic is getting heavy and it will suggest routes for you to avoid the traffic. And at no time is an actual human being involved in that process. That's AI. You have cars that are actively stabilizing the axles because it knows what outcome you want and don't want. That's AI. I was in the airport lounge and there's a big machine there. You can get um, decaf, you can get espresso, you can get nine kinds of coffee plus hot chocolate by pushing a button on the same machine. That's AI. Now, there's another kind of AI called general AI where it's not just a tasked machine. It is something that learns on its own and can make decisions on its own and can do different things. I don't see us heading that way anytime soon because that's not why we need something smart. We're going to have a smart car drive us around that will not get into accidents, that will never be drunk, that will not get distracted, that will have all protections in that we don't have for ourselves. That's AI, but it's localized to a car. It can navigate from one side of the city to the other without a human intervening whatsoever. So AI is already upon us. And I don't see some future arrival of AI as being fundamentally different from what we've already experienced in terms of the practical workplace. And what is your best piece of career advice? Do the hardest things at all times. You will ascend 
a pyramid with powers of solutions that others don't have and then force people to beat a path to your door because you took harder classes than everyone else did. You can take easy classes and everyone is equally as talented as you. And there's no way to distinguish you from anyone else in the workplace. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Neil. To follow his journey, you can read his book, Letters from an Astrophysicist, listen to Star Talk Radio, and find him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where he shares his travels, life reflections, pictures from space and time, and celebrity conversations. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now.